0: Hello and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm Ann Gordon here with my friend and chavruta Yerdana Asband. Our daf of the day, Masachet Yevamot, Daf Kuf Yud Aleph, one hundred and eleven. And with this, we reach a miles a milestone. Excuse me, the milestone of reaching one third of the way through Daf Yomi. If you began with us or began on your own with Daf Yomi, you can pat yourself on the back for being a third of the way through seven and a half years of Daf Yomi. Okay, we have a long daf again. Mishnayot. One mission that's very long, one mission that's not so long. Um, let us dive in. And again, here we have, you know, the difficulty of minor minors who are married to adults. Um, if a man is married to two minor, and they're not just minors, these are orphans. Um, and then and then he dies, which can't be good for them, right? Uvana, thezarnya. So the fact that the case is again drawn, the parallel is drawn to the deaf-mutes is, uh, you know, we already expect that. Um, the case here though is where the, the husband of these two minor orphans dies and then the yavam, meaning a brother comes and what does he do? He comes to consummate Yibum with the first one and then he also sleeps with the second one, or likewise, the the gemara says, uh, I'm sorry, the mission says, if the yavam sleeps with the first one and a different brother who's also a yavam sleeps with the second one, then they don't um, lo pasal, they don't disqualify the first one from sleeping with the fir- from staying married to the first brother, meaning. If the same Yavam sleeps with the other sister or the other sister sleeps with yet another brother, either way, the first sister can stay married to the brother. Why she would want to if he has gone and slept with her sister, unclear. But, right, this is a messy, complicated case. And there's no scenario that I can imagine in my head that makes this look like a good situation, unfortunately. I'm sure that's not true. I'm sure there's somewhere where it's, you know, truly for the protection of the girls. but, But offhand, it feels icky to me. Something that we need to know the pesach for sure, but um, but still, it's just I uh, I don't know wh- why is this happening right? Like why is the yavam sleeping with a, two K'tanot to begin with? Um, it raises questions that uh, on on what is really going on. For, for me, it raises questions: what's the scenario? Right? Who? Why is this happening? Why would he do it? Now, what happens if there there's a man and he marries a khtana and a chereset? Meaning so. One is a minor and one is a deaf mute. So the yavam comes and sleeps with the 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 minor, and then he also sleeps with the deaf mute. Oh, shaba pasal Or likewise, if a brother came and and he did yibum with the, you know, consummated the yibum with the chereshet pasal So in that case, because this deaf mute is An adult right so then what happens is that the the phenomenon of um either sexual intercourse or i mean either way both whether it's by the yavam or it's by the other guy by the brother um either of them is now sleeping also with the deaf mute who is an adult and that disqualifies the minor from staying married to the yavam because there's this degree right that we've talked about that the sages want to make sure that they don't, this confuse there's no confusion in the situation as compared to if the Khereshit had been the first one, right? Because she's a Khtana, her status is different and it's nullified, meaning she's no longer going to be married to the Yavam. And now we've got the opposite case, right? Which is exactly what we were concerned about right above namely, the Yavam sleeps with the Khereshit and then sleeps with. The ktana. likewise if a brother another yavam came for on the ktana so in that case right in this case what happens is that the phenomenon of sleeping with the ktana um, negates the marriage to the ktana. because the problem is that both of these and i think this is like the underlying issue here both of these cases are of uh marriage or all of this is drabana, right? So the question to which, how we say that the Hareshet is in fact married, right, is not going to exempt, she, the Hareshet doesn't exempt the co-wife from yibum, right? Now, she's a minor, she's got a different standing. We talked about this, uh, I don't know, yesterday, two days ago, three days ago. And then what happens then is, that when the second wife, now in this case it's Tana, she's slept with by one of these people who's also going to give her some kind of, you know, partial acquisition, I would say, or the translation that I've used says, right? So then what happens is they both end up, both of these women end up prohibited to the Yavam because you can't have Yibum with more than one wife. So even though this man had more than one wife, once he dies, the fulfillment of Yibum should only be with one woman because they're trying to fulfill yibum with two women, it ends up like knocking out the yibum of, of both of them. Now, what happens if you've got somebody who's what they what we've decided or somebody's decided to be called competent, right? Meaning uh, somebody who's sharp, somebody who's got full majority in terms of years and is not in a quasi-questionable status by chazal of a chereshet, right? So you've got somebody who is a pikachet and another one who is a uh, chereset, and the avam by avam ala pikachet v'chazaru v'al chereset o ba'achiv v'al chereset pasal at the pikachet. The the woman who has full standing, right, is is she does stay married, meaning the attempt, as it were, to have two Yavamot, right, to have yibum with two women, is negated, but it's negated on the on the chereset. It's not negated on the pikachet. And then, is the opposite order of events. Either way, we say, the pikachat is not disqualified, or indeed, the kereshet is disqualified. Either way, you end up with, you don't have yibum with two women, you just uphold the yibum with the first, because she's the pikachat. And then, likewise, we've got a gdola and a ketana. It is interesting to me, I suppose I should note this, that the different, we don't say gdola versus a kereshet, right? Meaning the kereshet is a gdola, she's an, an adult. So therefore, the Mishnah chooses a vocabulary that, again, draws this distinction between the kereshet who is not considered, I don't know, a full status within halacha as compared to the pikachat who is. So now, lastly, the last case of this Mishnah, gdola, ketanah, uh, again, you have a brother who dies. He has two wives. One is an adult, and one is a ketana. One is a minor. He sleeps. The brother, the yavam, sleeps first with the the adult, and then with the with the minor. Or abdel. Another brother sleeps with the minor. Lo pasal We expected this. We could have predicted this, right? That the the marriage to the gadola is going to be. Or the yibum for the gadola is going to be upheld. We switch the order of events. And now the Ktana is first and then the adult comes second. The Ktana is no longer part of that Yibum story. She can, you know, she goes free, really. Excuse me. So, Rebel says, in this story, let the minor tell the court, have the court teach the minor to refuse the guy so that the marriage is annulled retroactively. There, you're, you're there's your annulment, right? And then the minor can go free to marry anybody, right? So that the whole idea is that this miyun has a role to play in the life of the ketanah because she can kind of literally divorce herself, right? Separate herself off from any of this yibum scenario. And then the Gemara goes on here to talk about, it, it's interesting to me, it really just focuses about who is this halacha according to, right? Is it according to Ribelezr. Um, or and which Ribelezar? Because it seems that there's a few different Ribelezers that they need to check out whose opinion it is according to, which it's a very small piece of Gemara. In the interest of time, I'm passing the torch over to your Dana. Go ahead.
1: It's kind of interesting that there's very little Gemara on this sort of icky mission. <laughs>
0: And I don't but I feel know- like all the cases are being spelled out. I feel like we saw this in other Prakim as well, right? Yeah. They come to the case, and then they say, okay, here's all the cases. You know the drill. Carry on. You know.
1: Right. There's just, like, not much to say. We'll try to figure out, you know, what, uh, what the reason is for this, but, you know, why they, you know, why, who said it? That's really, they're more, they're more interested in, like, the attribution of uh, who said this actual, uh, who said this actual mishnah. All right, I'm going to move on to the next Mishnah here. Yavam um, katan, shaba'al yavam So here you have two minors who had a Yibum relationship with each other, and they have, a, you know, they consummate that relationship. Yikdaluzza So the halacha is, is that they should actually basically start to live together as a married couple. Ba'al yavamak dala, Let's say it's a um, minor Yavam. Uh, who then has uh, consummates that relationship with an adult Yavama, she should, I mean, it literally says, like, she should raise him. They also should stay married. In other words, there's no way for them to get divorced until they all reach, you know, he reaches an age of maturity. He becomes an adult. So let's say there's a Yavama and Yavama, okay, who are together. These aren't minors. These are adults. And they say that within 30 days, she says that we, of them being together, she says there was actually no consummation of that relationship. Because remember, that's really the essential piece to the Yabam and Yibam relationship. It's really just consummation. And we talked about, you know, that the rabbis add these other la- layers of Mamar, you know, to make it that it's not exactly that, but really they, they just have to, you know, have a sexual relationship. And so this Yavama claims. Nothing happened for 30 days. Toshi So they basically say he has to do chalitza. La if it's after 30 days,. So then they ask him to, they ask him to do it. So it's a little bit interesting the difference of language here, right? If it's within 30 days, it's kofin. Uh, they basically, the court forces him to do it. If it's after 30 days, they ask him, um, they ask him, they ask him to, because maybe there are some, you know, it's not so clear that you necessarily believe the Yivamah here. But when he admits, right, even if it's after 12 months, then we we force him to do chalitza. Um And again, this makes sense because if the whole purpose of allowing Yebum is so that there will be children, if he's not willing to do the act that will get them children, then they should have to do chalitza. Let's say a woman during her husband's, you know, the two people are married and a woman during husband's lifetime says, you know, I will not get, she makes a neder that I won't get any benefit from my yavam. Um, so then, right? So they basically, uh, sorry, from, from her yavam, chalotzla. So then basically he has to do chalitza because she made this neder, and they wouldn't be allowed to consummate that actual marriage because that would be a benefit. Mm-hmm. Um right, let's say after the death, let's say she says that the nether she took is after the death of her husband, she would get no um she would get no uh benefit from her yav. So then we ask him to do chalitza. And if she intended to do this, in other words, she had some type of a motive, right? That basically this was a way for her to avoid having to go into yibum by making this type of vow. Even if she made the vow during her husband's lifetime, the court is just going to ask him to do chalitza. So there's something interesting going on here that there's this difference between Kofin and Mivakshim, right? There are some cases here um, that you have to, you know, in other words, the court's going to say you have to do Khalita. And there are other cases where it says we're going to ask him to do Khalita, but he is not going to be forced to do halitza. Now, I don't know practically how that completely would work, right? Like, how do you force someone to do halitza? I mean, I guess you call him in and you say, like, you have to appear at the court and we're just going to do halitza whether you like it or not. And the Midvakshim, you know, is more like they have a discussion with him. They try to explain to him why Halitza should be done. But if he ultimately said, I don't want Halitza to be done, he would not have to do that. Now, the Gemara starts off with a discussion by saying that this Mishnah isn't according to Rabbi Meir. But I want to, you know, jump down just very quickly um, to later on. It gets into this discussion again about a Yavama who says, that there was no consummation of this relationship within 30 days. So they want to know who's the Tanu who taught that up to 30 days, somebody could restrain themselves. In other words, what the Gemara is puzzled by is they have a hard time believing that a couple could live together for 30 days and that like no sexual relationship could have happened at all, that this man could actually resist having this happen. And I'm a Rabbi Yochanan, I'm a here he says it's Rabbi Mayer, so it's in the first part of the Gemara. It says it's Tafka, not like Rabbi Mayer. That's how the Gemara starts off. Here they want to say it is like Rabbi Mayer, and they bring a brisa. Um, they bring a brisa to prove it, and then they start to get into a discussion, which I'm not going to read. Is you know, which is sort of a claim of virginity, right? Rabbi Meir, Alter, Lo afla akhar Kamashanim, right? This idea that if she was secluded with him, and this is where we talk about some of the laws of Yichud, that a man and woman you know, are secluded with each other. Here it's in the context of a uh, Yavam and a Yavama relationship, right? And the point is, is that, um, you know, and she wants to claim that there still was no consummation. uh, You know, we're not talking about, uh, Rabbi Yossi's here is talking about, uh, you know, it's a question of how secluded were they? And was there a possibility for a sexual relationship? So this is some of the stuff that the Gemara, Talks about, but I think it's interesting the mission itself that there was a possibility that somebody a yavam could have said, "Okay, I'm going to do yibam," and then doesn't actually do what needs to happen with yibam, and you know, and it does allow a woman to sort of get out of it, especially if it's within the first thirty days. You know, the the is basically going to say, "Okay, you're you're forced to do chalitza." This I actually think probably was a pretty practical case. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I think so. I mean, it sounds that way. It's got enough intricacy, you know, in that way that rings practical.
1: Yeah, but, uh, uh, 100%. But I- I'm also going to say, I didn't like this stuff. This was a little bit of an icky daff for me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's our doffs discussion for the day. Thank you for joining us. Rank us for views where you get your podcast. Come talk to us on our Facebook page and tell us what you think of this potentially icky doff. Thank you to Rabineet Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hadron website. And until tomorrow, go and learn.